and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Oh, he's drilled home by Steve Davis. Here, then he comes Matheson. Oh, he's gone! And now it's Johnson. That is a hugely important goal, which may just keep Rochdale in League One. Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean. I'm joined, as always, by Chaff. Chaff, how are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. We've also got Rye with us. Rye, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good stuff. And Luke, how are you, mate? I've been a little bit too sweaty and sticky, Dean. I'm all right. Yeah, it is very, very hot at the moment, but um, I'm sure we'll cool down when we start talking about Dale's first two games. Um, So, yeah, let's get into those first two league games of the season. We'll come on to the Burton EFL Cup game afterwards um but the the season started just uh almost two weeks ago now with a home defeat to crew um chaff i mean loads of optimism going into the game uh everyone kind of you know that 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 standard pre-season more hope than expectation i think but but that belief that you know this could be our year sort of thing and within a Within 15, 20 minutes, it kind of started to dissipate, didn't it, with a, with a goal from a set piece, which has been an issue for us for, for many seasons now. Yeah, it was annoying, weren't it? Um, I was on BBC Radio Bolton um, the day before, I think it were a couple of days before, um, doing a little season preview with Carl Cabana and basically said how much I was looking forward to it and how I think... We we're going to surprise a few people, um, and I was impressed with the recruitment. Basically, things I've, I've said on here, um, and then we went and did that, and I was so pissed off. Um, the second half was better, but we'll, I'll put that straight there. And there were positives to it, but the same mistakes happening again and again and again. It's just fucking tiresome. Um, and it's incredibly frustrating. And yeah, the I get the the discontent that, that's come out of the, the first two league games. I get it. Um and yeah, hopefully that, that Burton win will be a little bit of a spark for starting our season. Um right, I think you like me weren't quite as optimistic as Chaff going into that first game, but how frustrating was it for you to see kind of the same mistakes that we were we were used to seeing last season, um, especially in that first half when we found ourselves 2-0 down? Yeah, very frustrating. To be fair, the set-piece goal didn't... I mean, it annoyed me, obviously. Um, but the most annoying thing about it was that it was almost like you could have took me back in time to any home game last season. And it was the exact... It was a carbon copy of every game that there was. It was a lot of... Not very much. Nothing really happened. Um, and, you know, whilst I think we had more control of the ball in the second half, our best chances came in the first. Um, so that's been a bit... I don't know, because we obviously were better in the second half um, on the ball in terms of controlling it and not conceding the ball as often as we did, but we did fuck all with it. You know, but through a no penetration at all um, and it just felt very much the same and that's what annoyed me more than the goal we conceded it was just on the ball and just 
general player was, you know, it's like we weren't pre-season. It's like we were never a break. It was like, oh, back again, are we? Yeah, Luke, I think Rai kind of touched on it there, but um, that second half, we did kind of come back into the game. We obviously got a goal and, and you know, that, that got us within touching distance. But how much of that do you think was crew sitting a bit deeper and defending what they had? I think especially given, you know, how poor the record was last season, it would have been really important for them to start with a win rather than a, a particularly good performance. So how much of that do you think was them defending what they had and us kind of having more space to work with? Or, or do you think it was a just an improved second half performance? Um, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think to be honest, it probably was, you know, you know, first game of the season, uh, you're away from home, you've got, you know, you've got a, a, a two-goal lead, you're going to sit back out here a little bit and I don't think anyone can, um, that's what you'd want and that's what you'd expect. And in, in sitting back, you create, you know, more space for the opposition, but probably in spaces where they're not going to hurt you and whatnot. And, and that's kind of where I think we found ourselves with it, really. Yes, we got a goal back, um, but you know, like you say, the, the the tactics of the game have 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 shifted massively because of the two goal lead. And um, you know, like Rai said, or even like the manager said, you know, yeah, set piece goal, and the other goal was a, a deflection. It don't really matter. You're two goals down, and we didn't deserve to be really any better for that anyway. So. Um, yeah, you know, you, you could argue that it was a better second half, but in many respects, it's irrelevant. And if it was better, it was only marginally better. It wasn't better to the point where you can go, that's giving me a glimmer now, a glimmer of hope, um, because I left the game. Um, it's kind of like when you when you go out and you get really, really drunk and then you get really, really hungover and you think, why do I keep doing it? Why do I keep doing that? And he was just leaving the game. It was just like my head was marsh. And it was like, why do I why do I care as much as I do to the point where I feel like this? <laughs> but, but yeah, um, I don't think you can really there weren't too many positives apart from maybe a couple of individual performances. You know, we're obviously always going to be looking at the new signings to see if there's any kind of if there's anything that that if well, if there's any of them that's got a bit about them. I think we saw a little bit of that here and there with a couple of them, but Apart from that, the performance weren't good enough, and we didn't deserve we didn't deserve to get anything from the game. I didn't think. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think it's worth pointing out as well when people talk about the goals being a set piece and an assist. About three minutes after the second goal, they had a guilt edge chance to make it free, where they absolutely carved us open. So it, it wasn't just the case of them kind of being lucky with a couple of chances in that first half. They were. A f- the far better team um, but I suppose Chaff we had a couple of half chances in that first half as well with Jimmy Ball I think he's had a pretty poor start to the season and although I wouldn't say that he, he should have done better with, with either of those chances I do think he could have provided more for us on the day I'm not sure if you agree uh, I think he should have done better with both those chan- with both the big chances that he had um, to be honest and I don't think he had a great game Um Opening day, I don't think he had a great game at Gillingham either, um, but I'm sure we'll come on to that. Um, and yeah, I'd, it's a funny one, J- Jimmy Ball, because you you know that the effort's always going to be there, and you know that he's going to be a nuisance for other players. And I think he's got a bit about him character-wise. Um, you won't want to play against him, but in terms of actual technical ability, I don't think there's much there. Um, and 
maybe there needs to be a little bit more at this level. Um, I think he'll chip in with a few goals, um, like he did at the back end of last season. Um, he seems like a bit of a lad. Um, he'll get fans on side and... Yeah, it's it's not been a great start, has it, at all. But, yeah, we'll see where we go with him. I don't think he's going to be out the side anytime soon. I think we're kind of... He looks to be one of the first names on the team sheet, doesn't he? Um, like, even if we brought an, another midfielder in, I don't think it'd be, be him that lost his place, for example. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be there to stay, in it. I think... I think kind of with, with ball. I think I think you can probably get away with with having someone in the team, even in the midfield area, that isn't as technically kind of apt as the majority of the players that that are on the pitch because of other aspects of the game that he brings, like you said, Chaff, around kind of his physicality. And I think a big one for ball is his ability to kind of get forward and almost kind of he does find himself in positions where he is having these chances and you know there's been midfielders who have forged careers on those kind of you know late runs into a box and whatnot um so I think he does perform a function but without wanting to stick up for him too much because he has been poor that's 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 a fact I don't think it helps when the players around him the players that probably you go you know what actually technically he's too good for us arguably I just piss poor you know and I'm thinking of Liam Kelly you know, Liam Kelly played like an absolute, a primary school kid, I thought, looked like one and played like one. And that's never going to help them when you, you know, you, you're playing in midfield, you're playing in midfield with someone who's, who's also having a bad game and he's, he's not contributing, you know, all too much. Um, so I don't think it's just ball, it's, it's the players around him as well when it, when it comes to kind of the criticism of the midfield, I think. Yeah, and right. How about the shape as well? I mean, in that game, it looked to me like a 5 3 2 with a pretty substantial gap between Ball um, and Kelly and then the front two, which can't be a help to, to those players expected to play in a, in a kind of number eight role with with also expecting to be the third, fourth players in the attack. I mean, Robbie Stockdale said at the fans forum that at times with the wing backs and, and number eights that the attack becomes kind of a front six. Now I think if you're if you're classing your wing backs and centre midfielders as part of a front six, then I think you're kidding yourself to be honest. But how did you see it going in that first game? I mean, the yeah, like I say, I think that was where the game was lost for me was that huge gap between Ball Kelly and, and the front two. There, there just seemed to be a huge gap between everybody, I thought. And you know. You could potentially be a front six with not necessarily wing backs, but perhaps wide midfielders, wingers, and two centre midfielders. But you know, him saying that, we just weren't that. And we looked nothing like that at any point in the game. Um, there were times when I was watching it, you're watching us get the ball, and we're trying to play through the thirds, couldn't do it, and then you're lumping it long to um, Rodney. Rodney's got the ball, and I'm Back five are like ambling up. And it's like, I was watching it. I'm like, what are we doing? And I thought, oh, no, as a one off, they might be tired. They might have just come from the car or whatever. You can sort of let them off. But it happened four, five, six times during the game. And I was just sat there with my dad and I'm thinking, we don't, we don't look like we want to win. We don't look like we want to score a goal. Um, so it certainly wasn't a front six. It was, it was definitely a back six a lot of the time because Diego Raga didn't move. Um, so yeah, the front six. Thing when you talk, I worked with fans for him, but when you told me, he said that didn't really know what to do. Um, but it's another one of his 
trying to win the fans over and it, what he's saying isn't actually true, isn't it? Just like the fans from pre-season last season. Um, and we get to a point now where we can see right through it and at no point, I don't even think yesterday it ever looked like a fun six, to be honest, not yesterday, Tuesday. Um, so we can't come out and say that. I actually was quite positive about the shape. I think I said on the last pod that I quite like the idea of a front two if they can work together. But even then, throughout a lot of the game against Crew, the gap between Henderson and Rodney was huge. So when Rodney were getting the ball and they were flicking it or perhaps a bad touch, which you expect your other striker to perhaps pounce on, Endo was 20, 30 yards away from just getting nowhere near it. So first game together, um, so they're going to forge a partnership, I'm sure, and a better relationship. But it just seemed obvious that even at even the level we play at or try to play at, you stay close to your strike partner and that just weren't happening. So, um, yeah, it was frustrating to hear what he said. And it, yeah, against crew, it was, it was never a front six. It was very rarely a front three. Anybody else but the strikers, to be fair. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, Chaff, I think the one kind of real positive was Rodney's goal, which was a brilliant take and a, and a great finish. You know, like, the lad scored on his league debut and then immediately taken off. I'm sure there was a fitness issue at the point where, because it seemed like Stockdale was ready to make that sub before the goal and then kind of delayed it for five minutes. But it was still frustrating, wasn't it, to see, you know, a lad who's going to be full of confidence after taking such a, a nice finish, be removed from the game with us still needing another goal to draw a level. It was frustrating because we've got nobody else that's really like him. Um. So you, you you took away that that pace and power um, from the from the attack. Um, I know I know Charman's not a small lad, but um, he doesn't strike me as offering what Rodney offers. He seems to be quite explosive, Rodney. And I'll be honest, I've been I have been quite impressed with him so far. Um, take away the Gillingham game because nobody was impressive though at all, apart from the keeper. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit annoying. There were certain people that were that, that should have been off way before they were. Um, and I must admit, I've, I've been I'm a, I'm a fan of Liam Kelly. I think he's a very good player technically, but he was awful, uh, and he, he should never have seen the second half. To be perfectly honest with you, um, and yeah, I'd agree with Ryan on the on the shape as well. Um, and we did change shape when Rodney went off because Ian Anderson dropped even further back. Um, he basically went into a sort of a deep 10, maybe even an eight role. who was even further away from Charman than he was from Rodney. So I think that was the the main thing for me on in the crew game. We just couldn't get Ian Anderson involved at all. And I think if we're going to have any chance of having any sort of success this season, we need to get Ian Anderson involved in in games because he's the he's got the quality we know he's got the quality but he's he's not going to do anything if he's nowhere near the attack is he? He's, he and we can't find a way to to sort of bring him into the into the game and that that's what that was the most annoying thing for me I can count on one hand the amount of touches that Ian, that, that Anderson had um, I don't, he didn't have a shot on goal for example um, so. It needs work, that that attack needs work um, in terms of a partnership. I, I agree with Rai, I think it'll come. Um, 
but yeah, we, we need to be a little bit more flexible because that it didn't work. The most frustrating part about the sub was we took we made a triple substitution, if I remember rightly. And we took Sam Graham off for Ben Nelson, which Sam Graham really, didn't really do much wrong, I didn't think. Um, and then Ben Nelson came on and I'd be shocked if he completed a pass. But it just seemed a strange substitution at the time. Took Kelly off for Briley, which I like Briley and I prefer him to Kelly, but he's not the type of person you probably bring on to go and get a goal, I don't think. And then he, he, he actually took Rodney off for Sinclair, I'm pretty sure, um, which just didn't make any sense to me because he's not a striker. Um, so it just seemed strange. Then he brought Charman on a lot later on. Um, but yeah, it just seemed worth its time. I was just thinking, what, what, like, what's the point in these substitutions we're chasing the game? It just, I thought it killed our momentum quite a lot because we were no physicality on the pitch, um, which Rodney brought. And then you bring it on Sinclair, who, you know, he's very slight and he's very nimble, skillful and quick and whatever, but he's not going to hold the ball up for you when we undoubtedly went quite long. So, yeah, just seemed a really strange time to make those substitutions and also very strange substitutions as well. Yeah, it's a fair point. I forgot that Sinclair had come on for him and not Charman. Um, yeah, I've, I've slept since then. But yeah, it, it was a bizarre substitution because, um, like you said, Sinclair is he's an attacking midfielder. He's not a striker. He's not somebody you could ping balls up to, for example. So yeah, I'd agree with you there, mate. Sorry, yeah, I just think like in that scenario where you're chasing a game as well, again, you know, inputting Sinclair on and he, he kind of played as 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 our kind of main striker. When you're playing against a team that's going to sit so deep, you know, it's really, you know, last 20, 50 minutes of a game, I think it's going to be extremely difficult to break down a team as such because they're going to be so deep. So you, you are going to be forced to having to put balls in the box and pick up the second balls and pick up the scraps and... A little concern of mine is we've got a lot of attacking players and we've brought in quite a few attacking players over the summer, but we've not really got anyone that, that is an aerial threat. And I just think, depending on the... I, I get kind of the way in which we want to play and the way we want to kind of start games and, and you know, hopefully... I, I get the impression Stockdale does want to play football as such because he does allude to it a lot in his interviews, but we haven't really got that kind of player that, that can, you know... Um, be a threat in the air at, at, at you know at the striker's end of the pitch, and that's a little bit of a concern because whether you like it or not, I do always always feel as though you need that kind of, of option really, especially in League Two, um, as you as you need to adapt throughout the course of the game to to try and change it. Yeah, I think the, the frustrating thing is these are these are all things we said last season that, that needed to be um, corrected, and although we've spoke about it ahead of the season, kind of it looks like we filled gaps in the squad, and it looks like we've made ourselves more flexible. I'm not sure we've seen enough evidence of that as yet. Um, and Chaff, one of the other issues that we spoke about last season was the away form. Now, I think you're the only member of the, the podcast team who went down to Gillingham last week, but it sounded like a pretty dire performance at Priestfield. It wasn't even that good. Um, turned up a little bit late. Very, very long journey. Uh, got into the ground at five past three. Sat down, 
free kick comes in and we're 1-0 down. And it's like, I just turned to my brother and I said, I'm sorry for dragging you in mate. mate. Um, just really, really poor. And I know, I know the goal's offside, but it's, it's marginal. And had he stepped back a yard, even a yard, and still got that header in, it still goes in. So it's irrelevant. It's still piss poor defending again. Um, and we just offered nothing throughout the, the entire game. Um, I didn't, I've not seen the stats, but I genuinely can't remember a shot on target. Um, I'd imagine there was one, but I can't remember it. And what I can remember is Richard O'Donnell pulling off three or four very good saves to stop it being even worse than it was. Um, we just we had we had nothing. I can't pinpoint anybody other than O'Donnell who comes out of that game with any credit whatsoever. Um, it was it's one of the worst performances I've seen under Stockdale. Um, and there's been a few. Let's, let's not beat about the bush. There has been a few, um, and I'm and that's coming from one of the people who support him more than you lot, for example. Um, but it was up there with that Stevenage game of last year. Um, Saturday, it was awful, absolutely awful. Um, we wouldn't have scored if we were still playing now. Um, and Gillingham weren't by any means brilliant at all. They just wanted it more. Um, and then you had a bit of discontent at the end. Um, they were booed off at half-time. They were booed off at full time. There were a chance of Stockdale out. There were arguments at the front. Um, and it just it was just very, very unsavory. And yeah, wasn't pleasant to be there, wasn't pleasant to see, wasn't pleasant to see it. And yeah, it wasn't great at all. Yeah, right. I think. And I wrote an article after the game. Like I said, I wasn't there myself, so I didn't see it. But it's not hard to kind of figure out what kind of performance it was. Um, I guess the question is kind of related to that article in terms of how bad does it have to have been two games into the season for fans to turn on the manager in such a a vocal way, and particularly at the ground? Yeah, it's got to be bad. I think, and I was... You know, I said some things after the game, um, but I don't think it's the start of a season necessarily. But, you know, we could have lost the first two games and still almost not been as negative as the fans have perhaps been. I think the most frustrating thing, and certainly for me, is that there's been no improvement and there's been no real change. You know, I think we, you know, as, as reserved as me and you were, Dean, before the season about some of the signings, I think we're at least enthused that perhaps we'll see something a bit different and the kind of personnel that we brought in were different kind of players, different kind of personalities and expected almost to be watching a completely different team. And, you know, you could have gone there and not known who any of the players were. You know, if, if you were all like, if you watch an FM and you just have the circles instead of actually seeing the players, it's the exact same as it was last year. And I think that's the main, the main thing. So, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, why, why is everyone so negative after two games? 
I don't see it like that. I see it as it's 48 games now. And um, I think the biggest frustration is that if you look at, you know, September time last year, we saw probably when we peaked was September, October. Since then, it's just been a mad regression. And I, I don't, certainly on the first two games, and it is the first two games, you've got to allow the team to bed in and relationships start building and players get used to each other and this, that and the other. But we seem worse. And like Chaff said, the Gillingham games are worse these in on the Stockdale. The crew game was a carbon copy of most of the season. So we've arguably got worse despite the whole squad changing. You could perhaps put that down to the fact that the squad's changing. And I think we do need to take that into account a little bit. And there's a lot of new players. Um, it's a brand new team. I think Stockdale said after the one of the games that was probably only two people here who were here last season. But, you know, you want them to be working enough in pre-season to be able to see the changes that are being implemented. And I think the answer that we've been given so far is that there haven't been any. Um, and the fact that it is a brand new team and we're playing the same way, arguably worse, I think you can only start pointing at one aspect of a team at that point and it's not on the actual pitch well yeah that's that's kind of the issue isn't it the fact that um, there's only two players in the team from last year and yet they seem to be setting up in the same way and playing the same way and yeah that, that can only be down to one man and Luke um, Chaff alluded to the fact that the game reminded him of the Stevenage defeat away last year I was I was comparing the kind of reaction to it to, to some of the away games last season and Stevenage didn't even enter my mind there were that many of them Exeter um, Crawley uh, Carlisle there were so many games last year where we I don't I wouldn't say we crumbled but we allowed teams to beat us quite comfortably quite easily without getting out of first gear and it felt like Saturday was a, a continuation of that and I think we felt like Ryan said, it seemed like we brought in the right kind of characters to stop that kind of result happening over the summer. So what do we do now to stop these kind of performances on the road where teams can kind of just swat us away easily, given that we have we have actually recruited some some more experienced heads and some kind of players that you would not expect to be involved in a team like that? It's a tough one to answer. I mean, what do you do now? You've got two options. You can either get rid of the manager or stick with. And as far as what needs to change... It's really difficult to pinpoint what needs to change when you, you know, without meaning to repeat what the other lads have said, the same mistakes and the same patterns are occurring regardless of personnel. It, it's really hard then to suggest what needs to change other than, um, you know, letting a manager leave because, you know, you can blame players, you, you change the personnel, but the same mistakes keep happening. You, you, you're kind of on a one-track one track path then from, from that point on. Um, unless you decide to, to persist and stay with and, um, you know, go with it. But, I mean, personally, you, you reeled off quite a few quite a few games there last season, Dean, and, you know, for us to encounter that kind of experience again, first away game of the season, which followed the first home defeat of the season in the first game, you know, it didn't. He, there was just zero optimism, um, you know, for all those factors, really. So... I don't necessarily know what's changed, what 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 needs to change, other than a change in managerial staff, which is where I'm personally at, to be honest with you, because I've seen enough. I I kind of I turned 
probably at the, following the Leighton Orient defeat last season, that's kind of when I started shifting towards that kind of um, that kind of belief, really, because uh, it's kind of we're in League Two. We are going to get games. You can you can go back over the last kind of however many years we've been following Dale. You're going to get games where you get kind of dominated, or you know, you just we're putting piss poor performances. But for me, there's been too many of them. And then you know when when the backs against the wall and all that lot, the players might turn it around and get a result. You know, like kind of what I'm suggesting here is the Burton result and performance, for example. But for me, that's not enough because it's never consistently enough. I never see a consistent kind of work ethic where where the players where that suggests to me that the players actually are playing for the manager. But that's a weird one because a lot of these players are new, and you'd expect them to be wanting to impress uh, now. And you know, if there's any of that kind of concern that you're not running or playing for a manager, that will probably start kicking in. You know, after ten games or so. But yeah, I mean, it's happened too often for me, and 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 that's the big worry. Um, and you know, the odd performance where we just turn it around, it isn't enough unless it's kind of built on. And, you know, I'm sure that's a massive frustration for the management team as well, but you can forgive those performances here and there, but not on a regular basis. And then you chuck in one decent performance and then all's well. Um, I've not seen enough positives to to kind of feel any different about that, really. Yeah, and I think that's a view that's shared by quite a lot of fans, to be honest. And I feel like, it. I mean, it certainly stopped me from going to Gillingham last week, not like kind of that feeling that, it's going to be the same and and that Orient game was the one that turned you. I think it was the one that turned quite a few fans, but there were others as well. And, and like the ones I mentioned before, and there's a few others that, have, that I've kind of remembered since. So it's, it's, it's obvious that this is, um, this is something that's going to keep happening unless there's like a serious change in shape or a serious change in terms of who is setting the team up. Um, I think I've said it before a couple of times on Twitter, but, I think what one thing that we always kind of remember as Dale fans is like kind of the, the best era of the club was what Keyfield termed as no fear football. And what I feel watching Stockdale's team away from home, especially, is that it's a team full of fear. It's a team scared to attack. It's a team that, that's trying not to lose and is losing anyway. Um, and I find that really difficult to, to get behind, to be honest. Um, we will come to some positives, by the way, soon when we get on to the Burton game. But this is the, this is the honest... Uh, assessment of where Dale fans were, isn't it, after Saturday, Chaff? Can you offer any kind of positives from that game in particular? I wanted to ask about Ethan Briley as his first start of the season, but there does seem to be a lot of the pressure on his shoulders at the moment. How did he do down down at Gillingham? Uh, not great, but didn't look out of place. Um, it's a difficult one because because it was such a poor performance, it was difficult to pinpoint anybody um, for prayers because it was just that angry that the team as a collective. Um, Ethan Briley did okay. There's nothing more. Um, he's better than Ball, for example, um, and he didn't look out of place. So I'd expect quite a quite a number of appearances for, for Briley this season. Maybe not always from the start, um, but he'll certainly be in and around the first team probably all season, I would imagine, and deservedly so, because um, we saw at the back end of last season what he's capable of. Um, and 
I'd expect him to build on that as this as we get into the season. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, from what I've seen of him, I see him as, as a better option than uh, than Liam Kelly at the moment. Uh, um, it sounded right like a pretty poor performance though from from one of the other midfielders in two man in Diago Raga. Now I thought his performance in the second half against Crew was quite good, and I think it was kind of what helped us get back into the game. I mean, the assist for the goal was was excellent, I thought. Um, I do wonder whether he can, kind of might be the player that sort of sets sets us up this season in terms of when he plays well, we play well, because it, it sounded like he had a pretty poor game at Gillingham, whereas in that second half against Crew, I thought he was good. I thought he was better on Tuesday as well. Are we going to kind of rely on him to set the tempo from the middle of the park this season, do you think? You often do with players in that position. Um, I think, you know, you look at some of the best teams in the world even over the last few years and it's often a case that the deepest midfielder sets you up. You know, you think of Carrick at United, for example, back in the day. Um, so I think he's he's going to be one of them where, you know, often I think when your deep-lying midfielder has a bad game, you do because he's, he's the one that knits everything together. Um, so if he's not doing that, you know, you, you're trying to play longer passes than you perhaps usually would do. So, um, yeah, I think he's been pretty inconsistent in the games I've seen, albeit there's only been two. Um, I think you almost go from, and I think we said it in the chat, or Luke said it, that one minute he looks really good and he's playing really good passes and he's taking people on. The next minute he can't play a five-yard pass and he looks like he can't move. So um, I think he's going to be a player that he's going to be a bit like that all season. Um, but yeah, I agree in that when he has a good game, I think we'll typically play well. When he doesn't, will struggle. Um, and I think I don't think that's necessarily just him, but I think any player who plays in that position for any team, I think that's the case. Yeah, I think he's going to give us a couple of really nice moments like that assist for Rodney because you can see that when he when he does switch it on, he's got grace and skill, and um, yeah, he looks like a player. But it's whether he can he can find that consistency, which I suppose is going to be difficult at his age. Um, I've played in a team like ours, which hasn't really shown any consistency for, well, since long before Robbie stopped there came in. Um, Chaff, we'll, uh, we'll move on to the to the Burton game then and, and try and end with a few more positives. I mean, I kind of want to qualify this positivity over the Burton game by the fact that, you know, it was an EFL Cup game and Burton were, let's get it right, Burton were horrendously bad on Tuesday. But... It was improved on Tuesday, wasn't it? And it, it's a much-needed win that should give the supporters um, a bit of a boost. It seemed to on the night and should give the players a bit of a boost as well. You would hope so. Um, I wasn't there, so I can't tell you whether um, it was a much-improved performance. That's what I'm hearing, um, especially second half or the back back end of the second half. I'm hearing was very, very good um, with some real standout performances from the likes of Udu, um, I've seen the goals back. Uh, the goals are both very, very good. Um, Udu for the first, where he just absolutely tears pretty much the whole Burton defence, a new one, um, and wins a penalty. Um, it's a decent enough penalty from, from Ball um, to go 1-0 up. And then we get the second goal later on, and it's a, it's a wonderful goal from Rodney. Let's not Let's not beat about the bush. It's a brilliant call. Um, to pick the ball up where he does, um, sort of 20 yards inside his own half and then just bomb it forward in that at that late stage of the game um, and 
rounded off with a really good finish. It's, a, it's an excellent goal. I can't comment on how poor Burton were um, class and I wasn't there. Um, but we're through. We're running to the next round. Um, it's it's a platform to be able to build on, I think. Um, there seems to be more positives in that game than there has been in the in the first two. So you would hope that we can build on those as well. Um, and yeah, there's there's nothing to be negative about that performance or that result, I don't think. Um, obviously, the, the cup run ends in the next round against Sheffield Wednesday. It's an awful draw. Um, it's a it's not a game we'll win. It's not a new ground for, especially for me. I've been a few times, and it's not going to get on tally. So it's a poor draw, but it's a good win uh, against an opposition from the division above, whether they were poor or not. Um, it's, it's it's a very good win, and we need to build on it. Yeah, Luke. I saw a Burton fan say afterwards that they saw quite a lot to be excited about from Rochdale on the night. As said that they, they thought we, we looked like we could be a threat on the counter-attack this season. Now, obviously, Rodney's goal was was evidence of that. There were chances as well that he had before and that other players had, you know, like the likes of Tulloch and, and Sinclair look like players that are going to uh, like look to go forward and pick out, pick out options in space when we're on the counter-attack. But obviously, that's not going to be relevant, is it, if we're conceding? Goals from set pieces in the first twenty minutes of games. Yeah, I mean, you got to, we got to do the basics better, haven't we? You know, we we're just shooting ourselves in the foot if we're going to, um, you know, if we're not going to be good enough and, and not actually, you know, make the opposition work hard for for the goals that they score. Um, you know, I think I think again, I'm I'm just kind of going back to Stockdale's, Stockdale's interviews because I think they kind of can can give away a lot at times. And you know, some you were referring just going back to the crew goals, how you know, um, even the second one was a deflection. But he's also kind of alluded to the fact that the information that they gave the players was that that lad cuts in on his left and we didn't do it, kind of thing. And you know, for all for me, we we have been too easy to to kind of play against in in many respects and. It, you know, I'm I'm speaking broadly. I'm speaking I'm speaking last season and going into this season, not just this season alone. But um, I think I think we've got individual players that that can be a handful. And you know, if things click, you know, we can we you know we can take it to teams in in this league. I don't I don't look at the team and go, that's a really poor team on paper. That. You know, I do look at the same thing. We've got options. We've got some dangerous players. We've got Endo in, you know, to finish off the chances. Rodney's kind of, you know, um, Rodney looks like a, you know, a real, real kind of handful and, you know, pace, power, strength, you know, you've got Udo, etc. you know, but it's not, it's not just your, your attacking players and, and kind of the way you can counter-attack or whatever it might well be. It's it's the entire dynamic of, of the team. And, you know, in, in playing the formation that we do, we might have looked all right on the counter attack against Burton, but if we're playing a back five and we're deep, it's very difficult to counter attack because you're kind of relying on your wing backs then to get forward really quick. But if the sight from a position that you'd associate with a right back or a left back rather than a wing back, 
it's difficult. It's a difficult job to get up the pitch. So it's all about your positional play in the team and, and how you set up and, and, and kind of where, where you find yourself positionally to counter-attack in many respects. Um, and I think we work, We probably do work on in training a lot. All teams will do this with regards to setting up traps, you know, letting the, letting the opposition have the ball in certain areas of the pitch to enforce them to kind of, you know, give up possession of it and then we know what we're doing and et cetera. But... Um, I suppose what I'm trying to say is in order to be better at attacking, we have to be better at defending. Um, and and I'd like, you know, I do think we've, you know, we've kind of, we've brought in some decent, decent personnel that, that probably, you know, should be doing better than what they've started the season with. So, um, I don't really know what I'm trying to say other than I think we have got potential in the team. I just don't, I've just, I personally, I've not seen that yet this season. Um, and, and, and it's that that's kind of frustrating. Yeah, I understand that. And I think, I think in terms of setting up to counter attack, you have to, you have to not give up easy goals because then obviously you're going to get teams like Crew sitting deep and then you can't counter attack a team that's sat 40 yards from its own goal for an entire half. So, um, yeah, I think if that is the plan, then it, it, it's not the smartest because we've got, history of not being intelligent enough to get into positions where we can where we were in the game to counter attack to go and win it so um yeah we'll see what happens over the next few games but there's at least there's at least sort of signs um there isn't there Ryan that we're gonna set up with a few more attacking players I mean to me on Tuesday it looks more like Sinclair and to look we're playing off Rodney um rather than as a front two it looks more like a, a two and a one um, would you like to see more of that? It looked more like last season's kind of setup um, with with Tulloch and and Sinclair kind of playing where where the likes of Grant and Newby were last last season. Um, I wouldn't like to see five at the back, but if that's the only shape we can play, then that's probably what I'd go with. But it has to be like the second half on Tuesday where the wing backs are getting forward as often as they can. Um, I think in the first half on Tuesday, Sariki was getting forward quite a lot, but Udu perhaps we didn't see much of. Whereas second half, I thought they were both pretty good and particularly Udu was, was running at them. So, yeah, um, but my worry is that we revert to type and continue like last season and play two relatively narrow, whatever you call them, inside forwards, attacking midfielders and a striker, and nobody else really joining them. Um, so I think Paul and Diego Rago were pretty deep. Um, so even when the wing-backs were going forward, it was still a back five, back three, and many two sitters in front. Um, so yeah, as many players as we can get forward as possible, whichever shape is going to allow that, I don't really care. Um, but the more attacking players we can get on, the better. Um, I'd like to see, if we were going to go to a front two again, I'd like to see like a, a Sinclair or perhaps a Tuller in behind them. And then you can play a ball on Diagaraga or perhaps a Briley and a Diagaraga as the two behind them with a license to get with Briley, perhaps with a license to get forward. Um, I certainly don't want to see the first formation again, where it was almost a sitter and then two very poor centre midfielders in front of him. Um, but yeah, your wing backs have got to join in else it's just turgid and the exact same as what we saw last season and crew, arguably. Um, 
but yeah, it was better. Yeah, you know, the second half was much better. I thought the first was a bit, yeah. Second half, I thought we were a lot more exciting, um, particularly the last 20 minutes. Rodney used his pace. I didn't know he had that pace. I know I said that. He looks quick, but he looked very quick. Um, probably should have had three or four, but we'll take the one and move on. And Yeah, there's, there's many quick players and exciting players we can get around Rodney the better. Yeah, and it was, it was a great finish for the goal, to be fair. Like you say, he could have had more. I mean, there was one one-on-one chance that he should have buried. Um, but that's what really pleased me about the way he took the second goal, because I think after that, there's a lot of strikers that we would have had in the past that after missing that chance would definitely miss the second and you'd, you'd know they would miss the second as soon as he went through. So to finish it with that kind of confidence and to get away from the defence because he ran 40, 50 yards before that in the dying stages of the game, yeah, really, really impressive. Um, I'll stick with you for this one as well, Ryan. But, but another word for, for Ryan Tullock on his debut, what did you think of him? I thought, to be honest, I, I saw a few people say that they weren't that impressed, but I thought he had quite a good game. I mean, you can definitely see the talent there. A few few of his touches were were really exciting. Yeah, there were a couple of good first touches, but um, I almost, when we took him off, I almost forgot he was on the pitch. Um, I thought Sinclair, although I wasn't that impressed, I thought I was showing him. Um, but it's his first game. He's probably not even trained with us yet. Um, and he showed that he's got quality. He's got quality, the first touch of somebody who's been playing at a higher level. Um, so I think once he gets up to you know shape and gets sharp, I think he, he could tend to be a good player for us. Um, but I didn't think that I saw enough to get excited, but equally didn't see enough to go, you know what, it's going to be rubbish. Um, so let's see, you know, if he does start on Saturday, let's see how he does then with a couple of sessions under his belt. Um, but if someone from the reviews that we've seen excites me. Um, and yeah, like I said, his first touch, he looks leggy, doesn't he? So he looks like he's going to be quick. Um, so yeah, he's someone that does fill me with a bit of excitement and I can't wait to see what he can do in, in let's say, three or four weeks when he's when he's up to speed. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think I think what we saw with Tullock was kind of a, a football brain that was maybe lacking a little bit of fitness and a little bit of energy, whereas we, what we saw with Sinclair was maybe the opposite. And that, yeah. <laughs> he had plenty of energy and did plenty of running, but just his decision-making at, at times was really poor, especially one, there's one really nice move where he broke into the box on the left and the pass was so clear and he tried to lift it over the keeper. And he actually sold the keeper, but, but put the ball over from a tight angle and you just think, um, yeah, a little bit, be a little, a little bit smarter there and, and we score. Um, Chav, I know you weren't at the game, but but I'm sure you'll have seen all over Twitter and over the last few days the the, the praise for the overcoaters on the night in the Sandy Lane. Um, yeah, they were fantastic. It made, made plenty of noise, especially the first 10, 15 minutes and then the last 10, 15, which I think definitely helped the players get over the line. And yeah, hopefully, you know, we'll see more of that won't we, this season, them, them getting behind the players. And it seemed like people were enjoying themselves in the Sandy, which doesn't always look like the case, to be honest, for the main stand. <laughs> <laughs> no, very true. Um, yeah, I've heard nothing but nothing but good things about it. Um, I've no issue with the overcoaters whatsoever, um, as long as we don't see trouble. Um, and that, it, I don't think there was any of that. Um, so long may that continue, as long as they don't come over into Crash Corner, um, where I stand. Um, but not not yourselves out. Um, make as much noise as you can. Get as many people involved as you can. Um, and 
yeah, it can only be a good thing um, as long as we don't see repeats of some of the things that we saw at the back end of last season, like throwing things on the pitch um, and at players. And yeah, if we can avoid that, then absolutely brilliant. I think it's a great initiative to to get the younger element involved. Um, especially, I, I always think there's a bit of a, a gap. I think there's a lot of kids that come and I think there's a lot of dads that come um, and I, I, I sometimes think there's a bit of a gap in between. So the high school kids, I think I, I think there's always been a gap and I think this probably bridges that gap a little bit. I think it gets them involved. Um, and yeah, nothing but prayers for them really. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I think we, being in my main stand and being pretty central on the halfway line, there's often times where I spoke to some of our mates, I said, you know, standing there and they've said that, you know, all oh, the atmosphere in the Sandy was good today. And I'm like, was it? Because I can, I can never, I can literally never hear a thing. Um, but on Tuesday, it was, that's the loudest I've heard the Sandy, I think since I've been in the main stand, which has been five, maybe six years. Um, which thinks testament. And I said to my dad, I wonder whether it's because Burton only brought 110 and didn't make any noise themselves. But I think you've got to give the, you know, the lads credit who have set that up and, and they were in there. Um, it was very noisy. What I'd say is that, you know, some of the stuff that we heard were a bit, maybe don't do that. I think we were a time in the first half towards the end when we lost the ball and we started doing that really annoying. We've lost a ball champ, which really does my head in so that don't continue um, and the shit that I don't like like we read the attendance out and we started singing about you know we started singing your support is fucking shit to the Burton fans it's we're not really in a spot where we can do that and I hate that anyway but you know the Dale related chance were good um, and if we can keep them up great but perhaps you know when we're not playing Oldham do we need to sing about Oldham yeah, fair points, I think. And you've also just given away your uh, position on match day, so if anyone disagrees, they know exactly where to go to give you a piece of the mind as well, all right? It's fine. <laughs> all right. Um, we'll ask a few more questions then before we finish up, just generally about the start of the season. I think, uh, Chaff, I'll come back to you because I think you, you're the one who's kind of defended Stockdale the most so far. It feels kind of weird asking this question after, after a victory, but where are you standing on him at the moment? Because there's still a lot of, discontent, understandably, I think, after the first two league games. Are you feeling um, you're doubling down and, and being even more pro-Robbie or, or are you starting to maybe question his position a little bit at this point? Um, well, first off, I'm not blind. Um, I know that the... the, the uh, like I said, I wasn't at the Burn game, but I know the first two games of the season weren't good enough. Um, <clears throat> and the, he's had... He's, he's had the finances and he's had the, the time to build his own squad. This is very much his own squad um, with his own stamp on it. And he has, he basically had to hit the ground running um, because of how we finished last season. And he hasn't so far and we haven't. Um, I, I do think you've got to take into account the amount of signings that we've made. And the fact that it it might be naive to think that we can hit the ground running with that amount of change. But 
you don't want to see the same mistakes happening. And we have done. So after Gillingham, I was that pissed off that I wasn't wanting him out, but I could see why people did. Um, and it was becoming more difficult to to go against that. But who knows? We, we may be able to, to build on the, the, the win against Burton um, going to, to Saturday on the back of a win and, and we might just see our season spark into a bit of life, hopefully. Uh, if we do brilliantly, because I do want him to succeed. If we don't and we revert back to type, the pressure is on massively. And once you lose the fan base, there's never really any coming back from that. So it's, um, I'd say it's precarious at the minute. Well, Luke, what do you think he has to do in these these next two games to really win the fans over and really make sure that that pressure starts to ease on him based on what you've seen so far? I think a bit, well, the biggest one is to start winning, you know, football matches and, and start to find an element of consistency in the way we play. Um, he probably needs to do what he says he's going to do or, you know, says that he wants to implement. He needs to actually do that because the, I find a lot of his a lot of his words are, are contradictory with regards to kind of the way he wants to play football. I don't necessarily see that with the way he talks about it. Um things, you know, even things like, you know, he's alluded to wanting to go with a smaller squad this season, but I'm not so sure that that is necessarily I don't think we're carrying a hell of a lot of less numbers right now. Um and I think there's probably a good chance that we're going to bring in at least one more. Um, you know, so I want to see. Again, I've said this before, when, when we've played against teams that have been struggling and, and, and aren't far away from kind of moving on with parting ways with their managers over the years, I've always looked at them and, and, and one thing that's always been evident is they don't look like they're playing with a plan. Um, and, and that's something that is, um, that's something that looks clear to me. The fact that it doesn't look like we're playing with a, cl- a plan a lot of the time. Um, I'm sure that's what they're trying to implement. But it doesn't matter if it's not translating from training ground to the to the pitch, it's irrelevant. And then if you add into that the fact that results aren't great, um, you know, pressure builds, doesn't it? So I think he needs to, you know, basically reduce the amount of contradictions that he kind of comes out with and actually, you know, kind of implements a, a way of playing and um, you know, even kind of just running hard and whatnot. I just always feel like we always get outran, you know, and he always alludes to the fact that, you know we've been out battled and stuff and it's just like, well, you know, that can't be happening. That's like, they are like what you consider the non-negotiables, aren't they? Um, and anything that's a non anything that's a non-negotiable, you know, at that level is unacceptable for me. And it, and it, it, it kind of points towards there being a problem. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know, the biggest thing that we can do is, is start winning football matches. That's that's obviously going to alleviate the pressure. The pressure's already dramatically reduced from beating Burton. So, everyone, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a change of atmosphere straight away, which is, you know, um, allowed in many respects. But I don't think we should forget kind of the reality of, of you know, where we've been and where we're at. And um, I just don't think it's been good enough. Yeah, I think, I think, 
you're right to some extent in terms of there's been a change in the atmosphere based on the Burton game, but I think it will dissipate very, very quickly if we lose on Saturday to Jenny, yeah. uh, to Grimsby. I think, I think to be honest, I think it'll be forgotten about, particularly given that it's not an exact, like a particularly exciting second round draw. I think if there was like something for, for people to look forward to, if it had been like a Leeds or an Everton away, people might have been a little bit more excited. But now with that Sheffield Wednesday draw, it's like, yeah, it's kind of, the, the Burton game feels irrelevant if we then go and lose to Grimsby. Um, and, and Ryan, looking forward to those two games, Grimsby next up, and then and then Swindon away. Neither of them have won in the league so far. Um, I, I know Grimsby got got a good win in, in the league cup as well in midweek, but these games really do feel like shit or bust, don't they? For for Robbie Stockdale, I think so. Part of me hopes so. Um, yeah, if you do, you, you've got to win on Saturday for me. Um, you know, I think regardless of the result on Saturday, I think Tuesday becomes irrelevant. I think if we lose on Saturday, you look at the league and you're thinking, you know, three losses in a row, you know, no points on the board, and you almost don't care that you're in the second round of the Carabao Cup. If we win on Saturday, it's more like right, we've got three points on the board now, we're a point a game. Can we use that as momentum for? Um, Swindon, did you say? Um, so, yeah, um, Swindon away. You want to go there and get something, but can I see it? No, I can't. But I'd probably say that we're playing Woolworths away at the minute because <laughs> we just can't seem to get any points on the, on the road. So, um, yeah, Saturday feels big to me. Um, I think it's been pretty telling a couple of the directors' tweets this week. Um, I think Simon posted in the 80th minute that whatever happens, um, this is somewhere close to what we want to see. So he, he, that said to me that he still wasn't overly enamoured by the performance, which I, don't, I wasn't. I don't know about you. Um, and then Tony Pockney tweeted um, something along the lines of great atmosphere, but also great to see um, the desire um, and will to win from the players on the pitch, which don't want to put words in his mouth and I'm not trying to do that but suggest to me that he's perhaps not seen that like we haven't um, so it just feels to me like there's going to be a turning point at some point soon whether that's for the better for Stockdale whether that's for you know the worst I suppose time will tell depending on the next couple of results but um, regardless of Tuesday I feel in a similar spot about Saturday in that I'm still. I'm more worried than I, I'm excited about it. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, and if we can get two wins over the next two games, it's almost like the first two we've forgotten about. Um, if we get two losses over the next two, then Tuesday is definitely forgotten about. And you, I would not like to see the away end after the Swindon game if that's the case. Um, but yeah, feels big. Feels like something's got to give. And yeah, fingers crossed, you know, we pull it out of the bag and, and get six points. Um, but I'll take three points on Saturday. If you offered it me now without having to go and watch the game, I'd attack it. Yeah, absolutely. And let's hope that Tuesday's game isn't one we forget about in a in a hurry and does prove to be something of a of a kickstart for the season. Um Right, boys, I think we'll finish up there. We'll finish with the game as always. Um we were gonna do the attackers, but 
Luke's just shut off again. So um, we'll go with uh, we'll go with our usual old game where we try and guess the squad from a previous Dale fixture. I've gone with the last time that Grimsby visited Scotland, so it's been a while, or the last time we did in the league. Anyway, it has been um, over ten years now. It was the twenty seventh of March, two thousand and ten, Dale's promotion season to League Two. Um, they went out 4-1 winners at Scotland. Uh, Rai, you were the winner last time, believe it or not. Um, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll let you go first, mate. Any any player from Dale's squad in that game? Um, Chris Dagnall. Yeah, Chris Dagnall scored a hat-trick that day. Uh, Gary Jones. Yeah, Gary Jones is correct. Joe Thompson. Yeah, Joe Thompson scored the other. I think you might be in trouble here, chap, because I think Rai might have seen the highlights tweeted before. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, I didn't. Um, Chris O'Grady? Yeah, Chris O'Grady's correct. Just we said a year again, sorry. I only saw yes. the goal scorers. <laughs> 2010, 27th of March. Dawson then? Craig Dawson was on the bench. Stanton? Yeah, Nathan Stanton's correct. Rory McArdle celebrating with Joe Thompson. <laughs> yeah, Rory Ricardo was the centre back partner. TK? Yeah, Tom Kennedy at left back. Wiseman? Yeah, Scott Wiseman at right back. I've gone TK, I'll go JK. Yeah, JK's correct. It's towards the end. So I think we're only missing two players from the starting 11 now. Wingers. One or JT. He's a goalkeeper and a winger. You're looking at me funny, which makes me think I'm talking shit. Um, Fielding. Yeah, that's correct. I was going to say Kenny Arthur. But no, I'm not sure. I'll go, I'll, I'll go with him, Kenny Arthur. Yeah, Kenny Arthur was the subkeeper. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think this is where it's going to get tough. Why would Dawson on the bench? Callum Higginbottom. Callum Higginbottom came off the bench for O'Grady, was the only sub we made. Why does he keep going? Onus? Yeah, also on the bench. There's uh, three subs and one starter missing, right? Will Atkinson. Oh, unlucky, mate. <laughs> Chap wins the crowd back. Uh, the ones that were missing, I'm, I'm actually surprised he didn't get the starter because he, he featured quite heavily in, in that. Did he set the goal? Did he cross the ball? Yeah. Was Kieran Toner? It was Kieran Toner, yeah. Ah. I thought he was, but I thought he was the season before and then left. No, he, he played in that season. I think it was Kelty. Kelty only came for that season. Tony was there for another year. Um, I thought it was him. The other three subs were... Kelty was uh, going to be my next guess. Well, that makes me feel better, Chaff. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> the, other three, the other three subs were Matt Flynn, Andy Howarth and Tematope over there. So I think oh, I'm going to say it. I thought he left at Christmas. No, unlucky, unlucky, mate. Good effort. There was a couple of uh, future Dale players in, in Grimsby side as well. Joe Widowson and Jean-Louis at Pratt Pro both joined at the end of that season. And uh, Ollie Lancashire came off the bench as well in the last stages for Grimsby. I didn't even know he played for Grimsby, to be honest. But um, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. So that all that's left for me to say is thanks for joining me, right? Nice one, Dean. Cheers. And cheers, chap. Yeah, nice one. Catch you all next time. Welcome down.